Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. How are you all doing? It really is great to be together and um, I'm just excited by all that God is doing. Just a, a few things just before we launch into this series that we started last week and I'll give a little bit of an introduction to it. Can I just say, those, those who are able to um, make it on Friday, thank you for, for being with us as, as Annie uh, and Jonathan were married. It's just a personal thing. As no, numbers of you know, our daughter was married, and it was just a delight to see numbers of you here. And um, it was just good to, to be together as a, as, a, as a church, as a church family. So thank you for that. The other thing I just want to say is, you know, the church is continuing to grow. And uh, we thank God for that, don't we? We thank God that this church is growing, that, that, that Jesus is building his church. And it's also a relatively large building, um, you know, in the area. And so the reason why I say this is it's connected with children and the building. You know, we was just wondering if you could just help us. And time to time we say this to people. And it's not just to parents, but also grandparents. Or if you're a guardian of a child, please can you try and keep your children with you at all times? We know it's not always the easiest of, uh, of things. Or you know where they are. It may be that they're playing in a corner. I'm not saying you have to have them by your side, but you just know where they are. Your eyes are on them um, before the service and also after the service. It's really important. We have a large building. We have at times found children running up and down the fire escapes. And as you can imagine, nobody's down there. If they fell down those fire escapes, uh, you know, and nobody was there, we just wouldn't know. And, and, and so we just want to be careful. And also the fact that we have people coming and going all the time. We just need to keep an eye on that. Is that okay? And the other thing, if you can just help us by collecting the children straight after the service, you know, often the, the, the kids' church team are, you know, they've set up, they've prepared themselves, they've delivered, and then, you know, we finished, and we're having a cup of coffee, and they're still entertaining your children, and frankly, that's not what they're there to do. So once it's done, if you could go and get them, that would be outstanding. The other thing, just to say on that, whilst we think about the building and what we're doing, let's make sure we keep an eye on our personal belongings. It's not because there's anybody in that we're worried about. It's just the fact that things can go missing, things can get lost, can't they, Josh? Um, and um, things can go, all, you know, astray. And uh, and so we need to just make sure that we've got things with us, uh, because I, like Josh, tend to lose things very, very easily. So that would be terrific. The other thing is just to say, this week of prayer, we're really excited about what God is doing amongst us. You know, we want to work hard, don't we? Well, it's about four of you want to work. We want to work hard, don't we? We want to work like it depends on us. We want to pray like it depends on God. And so we need to work and pray, work and pray, pray and work. And so part of, you know, prayer is a delight, it's a joy. It's not something to be enjoyed, it's something to be enjoyed. And so Julie has given us some instruction. But there's a few things that we want you to just pray into. Don't worry, you don't need to worry about that you've not got these down. An email will be sent out to you today, just outlining some things. But we would ask you to pray into this Aviva claim over at the Mansfield building, the insurance claim that they're resisting, it's still ongoing. We want to just saturate it in prayer. We thank God for what God's doing amongst us with our finances, but, you know, the more that we have, it's not so we can get greedy or we can, you know, just be indulgent. It's so that we can do more 
and reach more people. We want to pray over not just Arena's finances, but your finances. What a wonderful story that was that we heard of God just honoring a couple who have just given their best and God's come through for them. We want to pray for lost people. How many of you know that God's heart is for lost people? In week three, I'm going to be talking next week, I'm going to be talking about a focus and, and that whole focus around lostness. God is passionate about lost people being found. We have great things in our community and we want to pray for our community. We want to pray for the health and strength of your pastors and your elders and your leaders. And we also want to pray across the A to Z of Arena Church. Thank God that God is at work in people's lives. God is healing. God is touching lives. God is ministering to people, but there's also needs that people have. And it doesn't matter how long we get it, we've prayed for. You may say, well, I've been praying for such a long time. I get it, but the Bible instructs us to keep persisting, keep knocking, ask, and you shall receive. And so we're going to keep asking. We're going to keep believing in Jesus' name. It is a, I love this series that we're in called Dangerous Distractions. And the fact is we all live with distractions around our lives. I came across this fun video. It's just 40 seconds. Don't worry, I haven't become a salesperson for Nike, but I wonder if we could just go to the screens and then I'll just give a little bit of a thought around that video and then we'll move through the message. Thanks, Chris. Come play with us, Nike Golf. I'm not trying to encourage the golf business that Steve has. He has a golf course and different things. What I'm trying to say is this. There are many distractions that come to all of our lives. And numbers of those distractions are not on a golf course. They can be in our day-to-day living. And there are levels of distraction. I was thinking about distraction again. You heard the story of me tripping over in Sheffield. I'm not about to tell that story again. But I was just being thoughtful again of of a distraction. And, you know, there are some times you can get distracted by all kinds of things. I remember one Sunday morning, it was a couple of years ago, I was just coming into church. It was a beautiful summer's day and I was just captured by just the loveliness and the warmth. I remember having an open neck and just, you know, just a shirt on. It was just lovely. And I knew I needed to fill it with petrol. Now, we, we, we have a diesel car and also a petrol car. And so, you know, you're obviously interchanging between, you've got to just remember what you're doing. You know where I'm going, don't you? I can't remember which one was which, but certainly what I did, I pulled up, and because I was just distracted by the day, and probably something that was happening over the street, I picked the wrong pump up, and then started, and there's one that's bigger than the other, and this shows you how daft or distracted I was in that moment, that I thought, this is strange, it won't go in properly. But I still continued to just edge it and I managed to just get it in. I thought, there must be something wrong with the tank. I'll need to just ask my mechanic to sort that out tomorrow. And then it was literally within probably a minute, I'd managed to get a little bit of petrol in or diesel in. And then I realized, oh my goodness, I've just put, anybody ever done that? 
Come on, own up. Don't just make, you know, leave me hanging. Thank you. You know, not let me hang in. You know, now thank God I had the wisdom to say, I've not put too much in. I took the pump out, paid for that. It was at Tesco. They weren't open, so I was doing it on the card. And then I thought, I know what I'll do. I'll fill it up with the right fuel, and hopefully it'll just all intermingle in it and just trust God. No, it worked for me. It worked. But what was happening was the car was like a buckaroo. For about a week, it was just, you know, anybody ever, you just, you know, it was just, but I managed to get it through and no long-term effects. But I was utterly distracted. And that level of distraction, to be honest with you, it wasn't life-threatening. It wasn't going to transform my world. Even if I had hurt the engine, we could have got it sorted. Anybody ever walked around with their glasses on their head looking for your glasses? I heard one story of a man who had his keys in his teeth and he was saying, will somebody please tell me where these keys are? As he's walking around and they're hanging out of his mouth. This is, you know, on the leather fob. Distraction. Levels of distraction. The point is this though. There are some distractions that we all face. But there are some distractions that are life altering. There are some distractions that can come to our lives and they try and derail us. They try and move us from the direction that God has for our lives. If you're new today, I want to tell you, God has a plan for your life. He does. He has a plan for every life. It doesn't matter whether you're religious or non-religious. He has a plan. He has a destiny that rests over every life. I believe that passionately. That's why I talk with such passion when I meet people. He has a passion to, to bless your life and to do something great with you. But, you know, many of us can be utterly derailed by the plan that God has for us. Paul, in his writings, his letter to the church at Rome, it's not on the screens, but there's those verses in Romans 7, and please, if you can have your notepad and your pen, I forgot to say it, please get your notepad and your pen and your phones out, not to go on Facebook, not to Twitter, not to Instagram, okay, but just notes so I can see you're engaged. But in Romans chapter 7 and verse 18 through to 19, Paul really says this, and and anybody, just help me, who, who, who feels like this at times, He says this, in essence, look, the things I want to do, I don't do. But the things I don't want to do, I end up doing. Anybody knows what that means? You're just going, but then you're there and you want to go there, but it's there. And Paul was basically saying there's huge distractions that come to our lives. And some of those distractions can derail us. And that's what I want to speak into because they are dangerous distractions. There is an enemy. There is an enemy. We don't talk about him much in Arena Church, but he's very, very real. We don't talk about him much because we'd rather talk about Jesus. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I would much rather talk about Jesus than I would about the enemy, but I recognize that he is real and he's He's real in my life. He will try and distract me and derail me and take me off course. Because the enemy, he doesn't want you to know God's plan for your life. And this is why it says in 1 Peter, I wonder if you turn with me. 1 Peter chapter 5, 
and verses 8 to 9. The encouragement to every one of us, and if you're a Christian here today, this, this is real good, earthy discipleship message today. For those who are tiptoeing your way to God, not sure, this is still helpful for you because we all live with these distractions. This is what the writer of this letter says. says this, be alert and of sober mind. It basically means that means sober means to be watchful. Be alert and watchful because your enemy, everybody say your enemy. You have an enemy. You have an enemy. I'll digress just for a moment. They polled a number of people thousands of people both here and in North America, separate surveys, how many people believed in God. There were many, many people, their percentage was very high. They didn't follow God, but they believed in him. And they polled how many believed in an actual devil, an enemy. The percentage was so much lower. You see, that's part of his distraction as well. He wants to get you believing that he's not real. I want to tell you, he's very real. And the Bible says that he prowls round like a roaring lion. Now it's not literally, but he's going around. And his sole purpose is to devour your life. Jesus said it like this, that I've come that you may have life. I want to tell you, the offer of Jesus to you today is that he'll give you life, eternal life. Life in this life that will be full of contentment and joy, but life eternal. But Jesus also said, but the enemy, the thief, he describes him, He comes to steal, to kill. And if he hasn't just killed you, he wants to annihilate you. See the progression. He'll take from you. Facebook. No, I'm joking. Okay. He'll take from you. He'll kill it. I'm not going to do it. And then he'll completely annihilate it to blot out the memory of it. That's his intention. And he goes around, thanks Helen, like a roaring lion. So please give me your attention this morning. If I haven't already got it, because it's very, very real. We've been going through with the team on Tuesdays. Tuesdays is our staff morning where we, I just have an hour with the guys. And we work through things. We hear some stories. We pray. I try and get donuts down their, no, down their throats and chocolate bars and all. But they all resist me because there's all these fitness freaks that are, that are there. But we just have a nice time for an hour. It's not like that at the elders, let me tell you. When the elders are there, I tell you, the, the food's gone. It's, it's, although we had a Chinese together, didn't we, guys? And there was still quite a bit uh, left. But anyway, you know, and, and I was just working through the whole thought about Ephesians in chapter 6, that we're to put on what? The full armor of God. I'm not about to talk to you about that, but I'd encourage you to read that. At some point, we are going to study it probably into 2018, to put on the full armor of God. And as I was talking about that, um, I encouraged all the guys to read from it. And then Julie, a few days later, said, I don't know whether you've come across this devotional on version. There's a Bible app where you can get all different Bible plans and whatever. And, and I encourage you to sign up for that if you've got a smartphone. She says, there's one on there written by a name by Priscilla Shira, and I've heard of her before. And she said she just made some great observations about Ephesians chapter 6, the full armor of God. 
And I reflected on it, Julie, and thought about it a bit more. And I knew where I was going with this, so I printed it off. Because this is what she says. Flaming arrows were not primarily meant to kill or destroy. They were meant to distract. Talks about the flaming arrows that the enemy fires at you. They weren't there to kill or destroy you. They were there to maim you and distract you. You see, your enemy wants to distract you. So he can blindside you. Oh my goodness. We all have this at times. We can easily be blindsided. And listen to me. He is not there indiscriminately shooting these arrows of his. He is tailored in his strategy. Listen. He studied your tendencies. He studied your habits. Your deepest fears. And your weaknesses. And he is aimed at those areas in particular. He knows he can't destroy you because those who are Christians, we're covered by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. But he wants to try and distract us and take us out. You see, you're eternally secure in Jesus, but he fully intends to sidetrack your attention by setting any number of internal fires ablaze in your life. Like insecurity, intimidation, anxiety, worry, busyness. He wants you to be unfocused while he sneaks sneaks up from behind. Dangerous distractions. And I just want to go for a few moments in these moments that we got together. And again, I want to just look at the journey of Moses. I mentioned him last week because... There was a journey that Moses was asked to take with a group of people similar to this, although it was multiplied by hundreds and thousands because there was millions of people there. And this journey that God's appointed leader, Moses, he'd been asked to just lead them into a good land, a promised land, a blessed land. And he said to them, look, just lead them in. It's flowing with wonderful things. You're going to have to take on some giants. You're going to have to take this land, but it's yours for the taking, and I'll be with you. He promised them, you know, that by day there was the, there was the um, cloud, by night it was the fire, a pillar. The presence of God, they knew it. But what happened was they were distracted. And this journey should have took 11 days, ended up being 40 years. But I see some other things that I want to just look at today around why it took them so long. So I wonder if you're turning your Bibles to Exodus in chapter 32. And we're going to read a few verses together, and then I'm just going to call them out. And we'll work through swiftly. It says there in Exodus 32 and verse 1, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain. Let me just pause there for a moment. God had instructed him to go to the mountain at Sinai, to go up on the mountaintop, because he wanted to speak to him there, to give him instructions. And so Moses was there, and whilst he was there, he asked his brother Aaron to just take control of this rabble. And this is what happened. I'll read it again. The people saw that Moses was so long. Where's Moses? In coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, let's make some gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, as for this fellow Moses... It's like a distant memory. (laughs) Who brought us out of Egypt? We don't know what has happened to him. And Aaron answered them. 
Take off the gold earrings and your wives of your wives and your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. And he took what they handed him and he made them into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, small g, Israel who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented fellowship offerings. And afterward they sat down to eat and drink and got up to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought up out of Egypt have become corrupt. They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them and have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, small g, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When I was reading this, I just thought this is just so typical of us. You know, don't let's all have a, have a go at these, these people. This is what, how we can live our lives. It's almost like, God, you're a little bit silent, a little bit quiet or whatever. And so we start to get distracted by other things. And this is what was happening here. Their leader had gone, but they had just decided, chose to not follow the ways of God and took you know, their own lives into their own hands and had become incredibly distracted. And there was a battlefront, and there is a battlefront in all of our lives, and there's a battlefront in three areas. The first area is this, there is a battlefront for our appetites. A battlefront of our appetites, if you're making notes. It could be food, but it may not be food. I'm not actually talking about food. I'm talking about appetites, those things that you desire, those things that you need. Am I speaking to anybody today? There is a battlefront for your desires, for your needs. It could be food. And you see something and you think, oh, no, no, I'm not going to eat it. No, I'm, I'm going to be good. But you smell it, whatever it may be that you smell. It may be a curry, it may be fish and chips. It may be you see that chocolate cake. It may be bread and butter pudding. It could be whatever. And you think to yourself, I'll just have a treat. The battlefront for our appetites. But as I said, it's not just food. It could be the battlefront of our appetites with regard to materials. Those things that we want. Those things that have gone from a need to now want to now we are going to get. Am I speaking to anybody? I am going to have. And there's an affront, there's an assault and there's an encouragement because he knows that those things will throw you off track. Really, Christian? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because it becomes part of what you want, what you desire. And of course, this can happen in the area of sensuality and physical relationships. David didn't just, didn't just happen to him. I'm talking about the king, and the, for those who know in the Bible, but he should have been out at war. But what was he? He was distracted. And as he gazed upon this balcony and as he surveyed his kingdom, he saw the most beautiful woman. And she was beautiful. But gentlemen, it wasn't David's wife. 
she was the wife of another. And he was distracted. And his appetite started running wild to the point where he says, I will have her. There's an affront. There's a battle. In fact, in verse 6, we read it, that they moved on in Exodus chapter 32. We've read it together. And some of you, I looked, that it was like a revelation because it says there that once they brought their gold and their jewelry and they fashioned this golden calf, it says in verse 6, that they sat down to eat and drink and they got up to indulge in revelry. Hmm. We'll pause there because I think we all know what that means. There's a battlefront of our appetites. There's a battlefront, secondly, of our affections. Because it's interesting in verse 1 that they say to Aaron, Come, make us gods who will go before us. You know, an affection could be defined by the thing that you choose to love. I choose to love this woman in the blue coat. I'm glad there's just one of you here. I choose to... No, I mean by that that there's not another one because then I'd have to tell. That I choose to... It's a, it's a matter of choice. I choose my affection upon this lady. And you see, very often there is a battlefront. There is an assault for our affections. And oftentimes they can be good affections. This is not a bad affection, but let me tell you, I have a priority to Caroline and to my children. But let me tell you who comes first. His name's Jesus. His name is Jesus. That is the first priority. That is the first part of affection. And, you know, I come across numbers of people who don't quite live like that. Their affections are on other things or on other people. And Caroline and I sought, when we were married, well, even before we were married, to live out, we heard a man preach a message from Mark in chapter, uh, Matthew in chapter 6 and verse 33. And you'll know it. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. So what I needed to do was put him first, and if I put him first, then all these things which he chooses to pour into us, will automatically be added unto us. But there's a third battle. There is a battle for our agendas. Because we notice that in Exodus 32 and verse 1, it says, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain. It says to me that there was some choices that they were making. They were disgruntled that he wasn't working to their agenda. There is a battlefront. Yes, there is a battlefront. For your agendas. You know, oftentimes we can be rushing, we can be running, we can be pulling, we can be pushing. Stress is at all time high. Why? Because of our agendas. Because of our agendas. And there is a battlefront to get your eyes off the thing that is most important, that is Jesus, and then secondly, relationships to get you focused on a million and one things that frankly, in light of eternity, are worthless. I get the fact that you like your hobbies. I get the fact that you like doing what you're doing. We were talking to young couples. We do this all the time. 
And often one of the questions, particularly if I know they like golf, I'm talking about the lads normally, I say, are you playing too much golf? Now, I have to qualify that because I don't have a problem with people playing golf. What I do have a problem is they're playing it every single night and, you know, they're not around the wife and families and everything else. Can I get a big amen? Yours might not be golf. It might be music. It might be whatever. We have to get a, a, a right perspective. And we have to make sure that our agendas line up with his. But I believe there's a counteroffense very quickly. There's a counteroffense counter to all of this. I wonder if you're just writing your, in, your, in your pages of your book or turning your Bibles to 2 Corinthians and chapter 10. Because the way that we handle ourselves and the way that we handle these battlefronts, it has to be divine. It says here in 2 Corinthians 10 and verse 3, For though we live in the world, we do not wage as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Numbers of people, and I will be bold here, you're allowed a stronghold to get in your heart with regards to your appetites, your agendas, and your affections. And God is wanting to come, and he's wanting to just gently and lovingly say to you that he has divine power to, you know, come against those assaults that you've been allowing to hit your heart and your mind and your body. And in Jesus' name, he wants you to come into a freedom that he has for you in Jesus' name. They have divine power. This only comes through a relationship with Jesus. Can I hear an amen? This only comes through prayer. That is why we're calling the church to pray. This only comes as we worship and sing songs of praise to God. This only comes as we become people of this word. Listen to me. Some of you are not walking in freedom because you're not allowing these things to be central in your life. The other thing is the relationships with others. Great people. They will enable you to walk into a freedom. So, what do we do with these things? Well, first of all, let's turn it on its head. Are you still with me? First of all, we need to starve our appetites. Everybody say, starve our appetites. You might feel starved at the moment. You're ready for a good lunch. But I want to encourage you to starve your appetites. I love what it says in Colossians 3 verse 5. In the Amplified Version, it says this. So kill, which is to deaden... And deprive of power the evil desire lurking in you. So kill, deaden, deprive of power the evil desire lurking in you. Can I be honest with you? Please don't look at me like I have a big halo, like I'm, you know, second to, uh, you know, uh, the, the angel Gabriel, like nothing evil ever comes my way. Like my eyes are so fixed. I talk about my love for Caroline, but listen to me. We all have thoughts. We all, have, we all have a choice what we do with our hearts and our eyes and our minds. And we've got to kill, deaden, deprive of power the, the evil desires that are lurking in every single one of us. This is how we starve those things. Listen to me, people who have a problem with pornography, what you've got to do is you've got to determine not to look at those things and get accountable with somebody. If your thing is food or if it's, you're, you're ready to go and have an affair, listen to me. Before you jump into that, talk to somebody. This is why small groups. Please, for the love of Jesus, please 
because you'll end up wrecking you, your partner, your family, and, and it's like a domino effect that runs down. Am I talking to anybody here today? You may say, oh, I don't need that now. You will do at some point. Because all these thoughts wash over all of our lives in one form or another. So we starve our appetites. How I think it's important. I bring people into my world. I bring people around me who can just help me with this. I make myself accountable. I talk to different pastors about things that will just help me. I I talk to my wife to make sure that we're accountable. Really? Yeah, I do. Because I don't want to be a train wreck. Because I know me. Remember, Paul, the things I don't want to do? My mum and dad are here. I always had a gravitation. If they said no, I was meaning yes. Isn't that true? Do not touch that. I would still go and touch it. It's just in me. Now, I know it's in you, all of us, but it was really in me. And it's still like it now. Somebody tells me no, I'll keep pushing until I get a yes. Can I hear a big amen? Well, there's a good quality, but there's also that has to be managed. So I have to bring people around me. You know, just quickly on this, there's a, there's a lie of the enemy that says you've got to live in isolation. It is a lie, Helen. And some of you are living in isolation. You know, you can't tell anybody. Now, you've got to pick your right people. You've got to pick them well to make sure they don't go and spill the beans. If there's something that you're working through, you've got to have good confidence and good character. And just know that they love you and love, love, you know, love your development. But it's a lie to say we're living in isolation. The enemy has tried to keep us in isolation. We've got to starve our appetites. That's why getting in a group is so important. Secondly, We've got to set our affections. Set your affections. Everybody say, set your affections. Everybody say, starve your appetites. So you've got to starve your appetites. You've got to set your affections. Colossians 3, verses 1 to 2. Let's read it together, shall we, on the screens. Since then. I wonder if we could read it together, because I think it'd be great. So after 3, 1, 2, 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Have you got that? You see those two words, set, set. Set your affections. You choose where you are going to love. You choose what you are going to focus on. Am I speaking to anybody? I feel I'm more passionate than you are this morning. So you've got to get the ante up. We've got to starve our appetites. We've got to set our affections. There's times I know that I have not been very lovable. I've said something. I've done something. And not just once, just continue. I know there's times Caroline would never say this. Well, she's not, but I'm sure she's attitude that I'm going to keep loving him in the midst of his grumpiness, in the midst of his moaning, in the midst of him, you know, putting weight on. No comment, Gordon Sloper. <laughs> I'm going to keep loving him. And this is what it's like. We set, we set our hearts, our minds on things above where Christ is. Don't read the Bible because we're telling you to. Read it because this is going to help you to set, to set, to set your affections. 
You decide what you love. And I think we should love only those things that are of eternal value. What's of eternal value? God, our relationship with Jesus, and you. You are of eternal value. This thing here, I mean, we want it to be nice, but it's all going to be gone. Your car that you're loving, it's all going to be gone. We choose to love those things of eternal value. Lastly, we need to starve our appetites. We need to set our affections. And everybody say together, we need to submit our agendas. Come on, submit our agendas. Very quickly, Proverbs 16, verse 13. Are you still with me this morning? Yeah? Some of you look like, are you still with me this morning? This is good stuff. As I was preparing this, I thought, this is good stuff. Even This is good stuff for me to hear. Yeah. Submit our agendas. Proverbs 16, verse 3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do. Lovely. and I love it when people read. And he will establish. Leave it on there just for a moment. And he will establish your plans. Commit to the Lord whatever you do. You do. Submit your agendas. You've got some calls to make. Some We've got business guys in our church. We're setting the agenda. Commit it to the Lord. Lord, give me. I'm not just believing for £10,000 worth of business. Put another note on it, Lord. I'm setting my agenda on you. I'm believing you. Yes. Some of you moms and dads who are taking care of children and don't just get up and think, oh, what the day will be, and I can't wait to them. No, no, set, set your agendas. Submit your agendas. Give it to the Lord. Commit to the Lord, whatever you do. And that isn't just your day-to-day, but that's your long-term plan. Some of you are carrying plans in your hearts. I'm challenged by this. God, what are you going to do in the next three years? What are you going to do in the next five years in our lives? What are you going to do in the next three years and five years of Arena Church? Anybody with me this morning? God, could you bless our lives? Would you do something amazing with my agenda? Would you do something amazing with my 24 hours that I have today? The appointment I'm about to take, the lunch that I'm about to have, Lord, we give it to you. And it's not being freaky. God, I submit it all to you. There's an alignment of our aspirations and our ambitions. I really do believe that this will help us to remove the dangerous distractions from our lives. I'd encourage you to listen to the podcast again. I'd encourage you to look over your notes again. There's nothing new here but just the way we've packaged it. Some of you will come into a freedom if you'll get a hold of this. Some of you are living in bondage because you're just allowing your affections and your appetites and your agendas to be controlling you. God wants to do a new thing in all of our lives. Listen, he wants us to know God. Find freedom. Discover our purpose. He wants you to go and make a difference. The Lord said to me this morning, whilst I was praying, and it was just a reminder to me, it was just beautiful, the song, I didn't know the song that Julie was going to lead, the guys were going to lead us in, and I can say, Prash, just allow, allow that beautiful spirit of God to just keep coming out. It's just 
washes over you, you just draw with confidence. As you grow in confidence, you're just going to draw more from the congregation. And as I was just there, I felt the Lord say to me before that, and then whilst I was in worship, Christian, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you've been messing up in this area, listen. There's no, he doesn't come to condemn you. That's the enemy. He comes to bring life to you. But you can make a choice in this moment. Say, God, I'm inviting you into all my life. Affections, agendas, appetites. I'm asking you to take control. Let's bow our heads and pray.